0: Welcome to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross Red Crescent Movement working with mental health and psychosocial support services. My name is Jesper Gule, and I am a communications officer working for the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. In 2019, the International Red Cross Red Crescent Movement adopted a set of commitments addressing mental health and psychosocial needs. In 2020, a roadmap for implementation was created strengthening the movement's collective response in line with these commitments – and based on this roadmap, five working groups were formed. The working groups consist of national societies, IFRC and ICSC, their task is to drive the implementation forward. Today we will talk about working group 1, which is focusing on guaranteeing a basic level of psychosocial support and integrate MSPSS across sectors. To do this, I have two guests in the studio, and this podcast might be a little confusing because both my guests are named Sarah. On my right is Sarah Davidson, Head of Psychosocial and Mental Health at British Red Cross and co-lead of Working Group One. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And on my left is Sarah Harrison, Technical Team Lead in the IFSC Psychosocial Centre and the other co-lead of Working Group One. And welcome to you too, Sarah. Hello. So let me start by asking, guarantee a basic level of psychosocial support and integrate MSPSS across sectors. That's a very broad title, So, can you explain what's behind this title?
1: Yes, of course. Well, first of all, um, what's really important to understand is what the basic level of psychosocial support means, which is really around good communication skills, so being able to listen with empathy and being able to speak effectively, but also being able to look after yourself. And that's really important in terms of um, delivering services, forming connections with others, but also ensuring our own resilience.
0: What what does it mean to um, guarantee a basic level of psychosocial support and integrate MSPSS across sectors?
1: So we think and know from all of the evidence that integrating mental health and psychosocial support Um, Is really important to people's wellbeing, to their to their resilience, but it also amplifies all of the activities that the movement does. For example, in emergency responses, we know that can help people to get through the difficulties in the short, medium, and long term. But it also helps the staff and volunteers who are delivering those services to feel stronger and able to better cope with their own. challenges that they face and some of the the issues mental health and psychosocial is organized in a kind of hierarchical way so right at the top there's the very specialist ways of delivering mental health and psychosocial usually by specialists like psychologists psychiatrists but this working group is focused on the bottom of that pyramid so basic psychosocial support which is around the communication skills um, and self-care skills that people need to deliver all the services that the movement is involved with
2: Sorry for interrupting. My name is Veronika Dietz. I'm a project assistant at the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. Throughout the podcast, you will hear the Sarah saying MHPSS Framework, or the bottom of the pyramid. What they are referring to is the movement's MHPSS Framework, which is represented as a pyramid. The pyramid outlines different types of MHPSS services, which are required to address the needs of individuals, families, and communities in all contexts. So imagine a pyramid with four different layers. The higher up in the pyramid the intervention is located, the more formal the level of training and supervision must be. Activities lowered down in the pyramid are usually targeted at broader populations. The bottom and widest layer of the pyramid is basic psychological support. This is the area which Working Group 1 is focusing on. Activities in this layer are often integrated into other sectors such as health, protection and education. And they should be accessible to 100% of affected populations. Examples of activities include psychological first aid or recreational activities. In contrast, the top of the pyramid includes specialized mental health care. This refers to clinical care and treatment for individuals with chronic mental health conditions and for people suffering severe distress that affects their ability to cope in their daily lives. The pyramid model sits within a protective environment. So imagine the pyramid within a circle. All activities should happen within. This includes promoting access to rights under international law and ensuring that humanitarian and psychosocial support activities do no harm. You can find more information about the pyramid on the PS Center homepage and we'll leave a link in the show notes.
0: So it seems to me that psychosocial support is very important for the Red Cross, Red Cross movement. So Sarah, why isn't there basic psychosocial support across the movement already?
3: So why is it not already existing? Yes. And yeah, I think in it does exist, particularly within some national societies, and some do it very, very strongly, um, and and have a, a huge departments so or have big units set up for it. And other national societies are just beginning in this area, and maybe maybe have less resources or actually have less auxiliary role mandate from their national authorities, their national governments, and to be much more inclusive of the diversity in the movement. We said okay, the absolute. Basic minimum. Um, This is what we expect all national societies, IFRC and ICRC, to be able to do. You can do much more than that. You can have much bigger programmes later on, um, but you need to get the basics right first of all. So, for some national societies, this is a very new area. Um, Some might already be doing it, but might not have known to label it as basic psychosocial support. They might put it under a different category. So, for example, a lot of national societies do first aid. They provide it, they do trainings on it, and then the volunteers go out and provide it. But you can also integrate basic psychosocial support, the communication skills that Sarah was referring to. You can include that within your first aid provision as a national society. And then you're automatically actually providing basic psychosocial support whilst you're doing first aid. And for some national societies they don't realize this. it might be regarded as this very separate technical area that they have to bring in psychologists or psychiatrists to do. So our group is very much saying to them actually you don't what what you can what um, with, with the skills that you have and with the communication skills and the resilience and self-care if you can master that you can actually implement that in a lot of other sectors within your national society.
0: So you talked before sir about this being the bottom of the pyramid. And I assume that a lot of staff and volunteers will be interested in how you can integrate basic psychosocial support in their programs. Can you give other examples of basic psychosocial support activities?
1: Absolutely. So, as Sarah was saying, um, it's really important within first aid, for example, by being able to build the trust with people who are injured, finding out what their um, experiences have been, what their history is, what's the matter, and building that level of empathy, respect, and trust so that you can find out how best to help them. So, what the working group has done is put together um, a menu of resources, none of which take longer than an hour to study. Most of them are online. So, between half an hour and an hour, where people can find out about how to most effectively communicate so build those um, trusting relationships and at the same time being able to listen with empathy so um, to promote dignity and respect and simultaneously being able to think about their own needs so ways of protecting themselves when they are for example in emergency situations or listening to content that is highly distressing Um, another example of basic psychosocial support might be giving news Um, maybe someone has been found a family member through restoring family links perhaps it's um, news of um, something that has happened or facilitating social support which again there's huge amounts of research that social support really facilitates not just individuals resilience but communities resilience as well so all of those things are underpinned by basic psychosocial support and that's what we want to get into every single different activity across the movement
0: and Can you explain to me, uh, Sarah, what difference does it make for a national society to have uh, an MSPSS focal point?
3: Yes, very good question. Um, So working group one, we um, actually helped define what a focal point was. Um, because it's just uh, it's two words that no one actually really knew what they meant, and it's actually a person within the National society. It doesn't have to be a staff member, it could be a volunteer, but that that a person is appropriately resourced and has um, like some form of authority um, to be to be able to receive information from outside. Um, and to be able to disseminate it within their national society. And so when I say receiving information from outside, for example, it means being able to take part in working groups. It could be working group one or it could be some of the others within the roadmap. It could also mean a person being able to engage in regional networks like the Europe, um, Europe region MHPSS network or the one in Asia-Pacific or join communities of practice in, in Africa. And it also means that it's the person by which information can be channeled. So if we are sending out training material or um, information leaflets or if um, we want to invite them for further trainings or to take part in conferences and events, that person can receive those emails. It might not be them attending all the events, but at least they are receiving them. They're on the relevant mailing lists and they're actually then better connected to what's going on within the movement. And that, in turn, then helps that national society to begin to build... Um, psychosocial support services, particularly if they're starting at a very entry point level, where this is a new area for them. The challenge, if you don't have a focal point, is that from an external perspective, and I mean someone sitting at the IFRC psychosocial centre, I don't know who to send material to, or I end up writing to five or six people within one national society in the hope that I am reaching the right person with, for example, invitation to attend a training or attend a conference. What do you think, Sarah? Well, as a focal point, I
1: would say that another point of focal points is having a it's a conduit is, is yeah. basically what you're saying so it's not just about being able to share what the national society is doing with the federation and um, with other national societies but it's also about being able to connect with similar national societies or even different national societies informing that community around psychosocial support and mental health and that's really important because it's also around um, identifying some consistency across the movement and one of the things mm-hmm. that the working group has found is that there's a wide <laughs> diversity of delivering psychosocial support and mental health. And some of those it's really useful to bring together, but also it's really important for the movement to have some consistent way of delivering, especially when we're partnering up for major incidents globally. So that's what a focal point does. enables the, the communication and the consistency across the different parts of the movement.
0: And what does it mean to integrate mental health and psychosocial support across sectors?
3: So we mentioned earlier on the podcast about integrating with first aid. For example, and Sarah also mentioned about integrating with restoring family links, if you have to give, it could be bad news, but it could also be positive news about a missing family member. Um, And then a lot of it is also about um, integrating into activities that you are already doing as a national society. So a lot of national societies are also engaged in emergency response. Whatever emergency that is in the country, it could be something like a road traffic accident, but it could also be very big ones like a terrorist attack or a huge flooding happening um, or a, a larger scale conflict. So it um, it's very much about training up the staff in other sectors and giving them the skills and the awareness of basic psychosocial support. So when they are interfacing with the public in their role as a water engineer or the search and rescue team, um, that they actually know how to have that that empathetic communication with a person in distress in front of them in most cases Um, or it could also be about someone doing youth camps um, or school school clubs or school camps during the school holidays and being able to work with a diversity of children and knowing how to communicate with a child for example or with a young person that could be in distress or it could be a person showing very strong emotions which could also be happiness as well as sadness. So it's not about creating necessarily a separate unit or a separate team or a sector within the National Society. It's looking at your existing volunteers, their capacity, their roles, and seeing how they can be equipped with additional skills to do their job.
1: And I think that's a really important point, Sarah, because... Um, this is not about doing something separate from all the activities that we're doing this is about really embedding and integrating it so there's a really good research base that shows for example within health that if you reduce the anxieties that people feel you also reduce their pain and you promote their healing Um, in terms of people who are lonely if you can increase their um, relationship with you you can help them access greater social support which reduces their loneliness there are so many ways that psychosocial support amplifies identifies all of the objectives of our different services that it's about trying to really enable people to understand how this can help and not just be something else that they need to do in addition to everything that they already do. Mm
0: -hmm. And what is the plan of your working group for the upcoming year? Uh, What's on the agenda? so.
1: <laughs> we, we have got so much going on. Right now, we are um, working on a number of um, resources, pulling together resources for um, challenging the shame around mental health. So that's one of the reasons why it's been very difficult to integrate psychosocial and mental health into different activities, because people feel very worried about it. There's a big stigma around both talking about mental health, accessing mental health services, naming it. And so we're collecting an array of Um, resources that exist globally, mostly on the internet, but in other forms such as in publications, checklists, leaflets, that we can share with people to disseminate and hopefully challenge the stigma around mental health. We also, as as I was mentioning earlier, have those basic psychosocial support um, courses, which are all available online, up to an hour, which covers good communication skills and self-care. And further than that, we have uh, a list of resources um, around really basic monitoring and evaluation as well as preparedness plans so these have been validated either from within the movement or um, international non-governmental organizations or universities that are found to have a good evidence base around just how to capture some of the key factors around psychosocial and mental health into any activity.
3: I think we will also have a year of hustling actually um, to put it bluntly where we need to go out and and not just advocate for for basic psychosocial support because you can stand on top of a mountain and scream that and no one will basically take any interest. We need to still be better at meeting other sectors, other... Um, technical departments or units um, where they are and being able to explain how basic psychosocial support can link with their work, how it can amplify their work, as Sarah said. And that's a lot of reaching out. So it'll be a lot of going to other meetings and events um, or trainings and seeing where we can have a space to talk about basic psychosocial support. So it's it's not like a one-size-fits-all. We have to tailor our communication to speak to disaster managers for example or to speak to the first aid teams or the protection teams as well.
1: And to be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) we would like you to do the same. Yes. (laughs) We would like you to make use of your networks and speak to the people that you're in touch with around the benefits of psychosocial support and how it does absolutely not only amplify, but really improve outcomes for all of the activities. And the other thing that we talked about at the beginning is about how it helps staff and volunteers to cope with some of the challenging and difficult experiences that they have in the course of their service. So it's a win-win and we would encourage anyone to please share more with their networks.
0: And one final question. What can national societies do to include mental health and psychosocial activities across sectors and where can they seek support?
1: So I would say it starts with talking about it it starts with using the words mental health and psychosocial support and then talking about how including mental health and psychosocial support is about providing a holistic service that thinks about not just the physicality of people's needs but the emotional the relational the social needs that people have as well as boosting their resilience as well as supporting them to cope and be in touch with supportive others there are a host of resources on the psychosocial reference centers website so I would really encourage people have a look at the training manuals that are there Um, have a look at the um, various podcasts and resources there Um, mhpss.net also have some excellent resources at different levels really encourage people to look at that and then um, have a look at different national societies web pages because they similarly have got different resources that they've adapted for different contexts so if you're frequently working with a different um, national society maybe in a similar context check out what they have and I think that that kind of sharing will really enable more understanding and hopefully more integration.
3: I would also add that join the working groups as well, because whilst they're um, a forum with kind of pieces of work that we do, it's also an opportunity for peer exchange, and I think a lot of a majority of the the discussions are actually peer discussions and collectively discussing how they manage common problems. So, for example, how do we talk about mental health within my national society? What words do I use? How do I advocate for it? How do I get over the stigma? And also link up with the networks, the regional networks um, where they exist. So in Asia, Pacific, Africa and Europe in particular, um, actually, and in MENA. um, Because in those networks, you will meet your counterparts in other national societies and you will see actually that they're potentially struggling with the same things or they've actually already passed through it and have got advice that in a national society in a similar context to your own so there are two other areas of support
1: And the other thing that we would recommend is find out who your focal point is. So if you're in a national society, or perhaps you're thinking about joining a national society, find out who that focal point is for mental health and psychosocial support. And if you find out that there isn't one, maybe consider nominating someone or standing yourself. I mean, again, I would say as a focal point in a national society, it it requires a community. It's not a single person. So if there is a focal point already there, support them, get together and, um, and spread the word.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Sarah and Sarah, for <laughs> enlightening us on the work of Working Group 1.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement, staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, I have talked to Sarah Davidson and Sarah Harrison about Working Group 1, one of five groups working towards implementing the Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement, Commitments Addressing Mental Health and Psychosocial Needs. You can find more information about the five working groups on the PS center website, peercenter.org. The information includes reference documents, videos, podcasts, webinars, presentations, and infographics. And of course, information about how you can join a roadmap priority action area working group. I'll leave a link in the show notes. My name is Jesper Gule, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast.
3: Remember that mental health matters.